So I'm talking up on um, Hezekiah, the king who turned his sick bay into a prayer chamber. The king who turned his sick bay into a prayer chamber. Isaiah 38, from the verse 1 to the verse 5, reading from the NIV. In those days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to him and said, This is what the Lord says. Put your house in order. Because you are going to die. You will not recover. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and I've done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Then the Lord, then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah. Go and tell Hezekiah, this is what the Lord, the God of your father David says. I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will add 15 years to your life. Amen. Anybody that has appointment with death. May it be cancelled today. Anybody targeted for premature death, may that be cancelled today. Any sickness on the way that is aimed at killing you, may that sickness go back to sender. Any sickness in your body now that Satan has put it there to kill you, I declare and decree under the authority of Jesus, that may your body be healed in the name of Jesus. I declare and I decree, no one in this service or the family you represent, anybody in the family you represent, will ever die young. In the name of Jesus. Appointment with death is cancelled. Death by sickness is cancelled. Death by accident is cancelled. Death by spiritual attack is cancelled. Death by a mistake is cancelled. In the name of Jesus, you will live long, you will prosper, and you will be in good health. It's a decree, it is done in Jesus' name. Amen. God really speaks to us. God is a talkative and he really speaks to us. In fact, the foundation of your relationship with God is the communication you have with God. But let me show you how important communion with God is for you. Several years ago, when mommy and I finished our wedding, we had to go and see the father and thank him. We went to their um, farming village. You know, the Kriapims have farming villages because the hills are difficult to farm there. So there's a place in Asamankese called Sukru Kena. So mommy's father had a farm there and he lived there. Mommy grew up there. Mommy's siblings grew up there. It's a very nice village. 
Some of you who attended mommy's father's funeral, you saw the village. But the village had no electricity at the time. So when we went to visit the father, the father had another house outside the main house. So in the night, we went to have dinner with him, and now we have to go to that outhouse. It was just about three minutes' walk, but it was so dark, so dark walking in that footpath with bushes around me. I could imagine every step I took, I felt I was going to step on a scorpion or snake. I was actually walking by faith and praying. Took a step. I was walking like this. First, I didn't see anything. I could not see anything. So I didn't know what I was going to step into. It was quite scary. Mommy, having grown there, was very confident and was moving. But whilst we were going, the father sent someone, or he himself or so, came with a lamp, lantern. He said, oh, you put take this. Even your room... You have to use this in your room. Now, immediately we got the light. And the path became clear. And I could walk with confidence. Then I remembered the word of the Lord that says, My word is a lamp unto your feet. And a light unto your path. Wow. You see, life is a journey. It's a journey on a dangerous road. The only light available for you is God's word. When you don't have God's word, you don't have a personal revelations from God, you are totally walking in darkness and anything can happen to you. That's why God speaks consistently to us. The entrance of his word gives a light and give it understanding to the simple. Once God's word enters into you, there's a sudden light. You make the right decision. You make the right choices. You take the right steps. And you see your life progressing without major incidences. And you see God taking you through life with ease. God has different ways in which he speaks to us. Sometimes God will speak to you in a dream. Sometimes God will speak to you in a vision. Sometimes God will speak to you through the sermons of your pastor. Sometimes God will speak to you through circumstances. Sometimes God will speak to you through his word. And sometimes God will speak to you through prophecy. The most reliable source of information from God is through his word. It's through his word. The least reliable source of information from God is prophecy. I'm going to explain that to you. I've noticed from Kevin, my son, that anytime I send a message to him through someone, go and tell Kevin to do this for me, he will call me and say, Daddy, this person says I should do this and this and this. I want to confirm from you. Do you want it this way or that way or that way? I believe his understanding is that when people carry a message from me to him, the chances are that from where we spoke to where they met him, there could have been dilution of the information. 
The people may add their own emotions and may add their own understanding of what I said. So to be able to make sure he does exactly what I'm looking for, he gets back to me and speaks to me directly. Are you here? I may come to you and preach a sermon to you, but it's not as reliable as you going back to God's word and making sure that it is confirmed by God or going back to God for God to speak to you. Are you here with me? In fact, the story we are going to study today is exactly like the way Kevin deals with me. If I am not speaking directly to him, but I'm speaking through someone, he bypassed the person to try to reach out to me. And in most cases, I have to speak to people for him when I call his phone and he does not pick. Or I want him immediately, but he's not available, but someone is available, I communicate that message. And then he now has to get back to me for confirmation. Sometimes, God will choose someone to speak to you because probably you are not available. He's trying to reach your phone and you are not picking. Whatever God told the prophet to tell you was because God wanted to speak to you directly, but you were not there. So he has to use someone to speak to you. It is not very easy to wait on me instead of my sympathize with Kevin. Because I have so many things to say, so many standards I will raise for you to meet. But sometimes it is difficult to hang around and get exactly what I'm looking for. So sometimes he has to dodge me a little, go somewhere a little, have fun a little. But the fact that you are having fun somewhere does not mean that I cannot speak to you. You are my son. So that's what we do to God. Sometimes you see, communicating with God is very difficult. So usually we want people to do that for us. It requires dedication in prayer, dedication in the study of the word. It requires a lot of things. Because we are not ready for that, we try to, to get someone to do that for us. And if God is not getting you, he will not hold the word. He has to send someone to tell you. But the person is likely to carry his emotions attached to it. And that's why it's very important that you hear from God. The most reliable, the most flawless word from God is the Bible. That's why you must be a student of the Bible. And one word from God, one revelation from God can change your entire life. When you do something because you were reading the Bible and you heard a word and you felt something, you were just reading it and you saw something and the thing hit you and you decide to act upon it. It can change your life. It can change your story. It can change a lot of things for you. But let's look at this word of prophecy and how Hezekiah the king reacted to it. Because he knew 
that the finality of God's word is not prophecy. The only thing God cannot change is his word. But God's word through a prophet can be changed. Okay, let me put it this way. Now, how many of you know that if I come to you and I prophesy that you are going to be a millionaire, it doesn't depend on me or depend on God for that thing to happen. It depends on you, your faith to receive it, your capacity to pray it into manifestation, your ability to walk in holiness and purity so that sin does not hinder that prophetic word. How many of you believe that? Fantastic. So prophecy in itself is not, it has, does not have an automatic fulfillment. So in most cases, it is not the prophet that lied, but it is you that couldn't pray that thing into manifestation. In the same way, if I come to you and I say, you will die before the end of the year, it is not automatic that it must be fulfilled. In fact, every prophet who gives a prophecy and tries to make it come to pass and tries to interpret that prophecy and tries to let you understand that prophecy may lead you astray because sometimes God will speak to a prophet but will not give the prophet the interpretation and the understanding of what he has said. We know in parts and we prophesy in parts. Usually, the prophecy is about your life. Like I come to a woman and I say, well, I see a black pot with a ring inside. And that is why your marriage is delayed. It is for you to know that in my family, there are a lot of witches and wizards. I am not the one to now take the prophecy and try to explain the prophecy to you. When I become the prophet and the interpreter of the prophecy, I can lead you astray. That is not to say that prophets don't interpret their own prophecies. But in most cases, the best person to interpret that prophecy is you, the person receiving it. How you take that prophecy and how you act on that prophecy. So here is a man, a whole king, who receives a prophecy from one of the most reliable prophets and the king Hezekiah did not need to go to his family to check the background of the prophecy because what was prophesied about was happening to him he was sick to the point of death and he knew he was sick so what the prophet came to tell him was not a surprise. It's not like a prophet comes to you and says, diabetes will kill you. It killed your great-grandfather and your great-great-grandfather. And then you have to go to the family to go and see. This one, he was sick. He knew. The Bible said he was sick to the point of death. Then the prophet goes and says, you are going to die. You will not recover. So put your house in order. But you see, his reaction to that prophetic word changed everything. And I want to show you his reaction to that prophetic word changed everything. First, who is Hezekiah? 
the 13th and the most outstanding king of Judah. Second Kings. Second Kings 18, 5 to 7. Hezekiah trusted in the law, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. Among all the kings of Judah, he was the most outstanding. Here, he held fast to the Lord and did not stop following him. He kept the commands the Lord had given him, and the Lord was with him. He was successful in whatever he understood. So, why didn't he be bitter? The oh Lord, the way I have said you, bah, I am the most outstanding. And look at the way I'm going to die. Why, Lord? No. He knew his authority. He had built a good relationship with the Lord. And he knew that bad things happen to good people. Bad things happen to good Christians. And so he wasn't going to attack God. That I have served you well. I have done all the things I have to do. His focus was not on how bad life had treated him. His focus was on the fact that he had a history with God and was going to use it. So look at this. How unique was his situation? Very unique. One, he was only 39 years old. Only 39 years old. If life begins at 40, why should the king die at 39? Satan wanted to make sure that the king that stood out among the kings of Judah, the one that loved the Lord the most, Satan wanted to, wanted to attack the integrity of God. So that people will say that if Hezekiah, that he came and served God, didn't he die young? You know how sometimes you can see somebody who has gone to church all his life and the person has not succeeded. So all this fasting and prayer, how can this person's... But Hezekiah purpose in his heart that my story is not going to be used as an example of God's unfaithfulness. Are you here? I am not the one that unbelievers are going to use my story to say to the world, God is unfaithful. Me, the born-again girl in the family, I'm the one whose husband is cheating. I'm the one whose husband is beating. And my unbelieving sisters and their husbands have, rather they have peace, peace in their family, and I don't have. It's an indictment on the anointing of God. It's an indictment on God's faithfulness. And that's why I believe that today, if we have the approach of Hezekiah, God will turn what was supposed to be a disgrace into great, a great testimony for us. There is no situation you find yourself today that prayer cannot change. Listen, do not ever question the sovereignty of God, the wisdom of God, the integrity of God. 
when you were Christian and you say, I pray, I haven't seen anything. So is God really listening to my prayers? That's, that's not the way we pray. I'm going to show you how to pray when you find yourself in a situation like Hezekiah, when you have done all the right things and yet your reward is evil. When you have done all the right things and you're expecting God to do something extraordinary in your life and yet what you are seeing is satanic attack. When all this, this year, every, all this month and of this year, you have said the Lord very well and you are believing God for something to happen and that's not happened and the year is ending. How do you end it? And then God, on top of that, God sends a prophet to come and tell you that this year will not end well with you. How do you handle it? How do you handle it? Life begins at 40. But for Hezekiah, who has served God, a king, a powerful king, at 40, he was about to die. Before 40, he was about to die. When the Lord said the same thing to me when I was young and I was losing confidence in myself and uh, things were very hard for me. And one time the Lord said, wait until you are 40 and you will see my hand at work in your life. And from that time, the Lord changed my life. Now look at this too. He reigned for only 40, 14 years. So only 14 years. King Elizabeth had been reigning for 69 years. David for 40 years. See, the reason why David was able to achieve a lot of things was because of the length of time that he reigned. In the Bible's days, reigning for 14 years is like just having the first term and you, you don't win again. The reason why Muhammad wants to come because he doesn't want to go into the books that he, was, he has been the only president in the Fourth Republic that had only one this thing. He doesn't want it. He wants to come one time. He wants to come back and finish a second term. For, for Hezekiah, it was his first term. 14 years those, day, those days was the first term. And the reason why most president wants to come back again after the first four years, because four years look too small to fulfill all your campaign promises. Even though they tell us they will fulfill them. We know that it's difficult for them to fulfill it in four years. So try to come back again to finish it. So Hezekiah had an unfinished business. Sometimes it happens to us. When you know that your assignment is not finished. But there's a disease, there's a sickness, there's a situation that is preventing you from fulfilling that assignment. The reason why God sent me here is because there is a man here, there is a woman here who has been created for an assignment. But there are satanic forces that are trying to frustrate that assignment. I came to speak to that man. I came to speak to that woman. That the Lord your God is about to visit you. God is about to give you another chance. God is about to, to give you another opportunity. I sense that in my spirit. Your life is not ending. Your story is not ending. The year may be ending, but your story is not ending. The year may be ending, but the fact that you are still alive, the fact that you are standing here, tells me something about you. God has not finished with you yet. He needed more time. And look at this. He had a fatal boil. Bibonic plague. Have some pictures there. This is how probably he looked. This is a modern one, but this is how probably he looked. 
Look at this man. All his fingers are gone. It was a bacterial infection. He had boils. The, the sickness he had was eating his body. You see this man? He's lost all his fingers. The bubonic plague. He lost all his fingers. Look at this man. Had a boil. This one is not Adam Saplo. It's an infection. To survive this, it's difficult to survive this. So imagine that this was Hezekiah's situation. That God sends a prophet and says, Charlie, you are going to die. Already you feel you are going to die. So when the prophet comes to tell you you are going to die, especially a reliable prophet like Isaiah, you are likely to believe it. But prayer can change anything. Are you here? There was a prophecy about his death. But prayer can change everything, including prophecies. So how do you react to prophecies? When they are not the kind of prophecies you expect. When they are not the kind of prophecies that you, you like. How do you react to them? The fact that a prophet spoke does not mean it's going to come to pass. So here is what I want to propose to you. Looking at the prayer points of Hezekiah. Oh, people say in your family, this is how they die. In your family, this is what happens. Your family, the girls don't marry. In your family, this doesn't do this. Please, today, change that narration. Change the narrative. Change the story. And you can do it. If Isaiah could pray for God to, if um, Hezekiah could pray for God to go to the prophet, even before the prophet left, before the prophet left the courtyard, God said, go back, go back, go back. I get the prophet to ask God, God, you are changing your mind. I thought that you don't change. God will say, no, 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 I'm not changing my mind. I'm changing the content of the prophecy. Are you here? I believe that some of you have certain evil predictions over your life. As we pray today, God will turn it around. Yes, yeah, some of you, it might not be in the form of a prophecy by a prophet. But somebody somewhere has cursed you. Somebody has said something negative over your life. It is time by the mercies and the grace of God to turn it around. And I believe we can do that today. How many of you are believing that with me? That when we enter into prayer, whatever prediction, evil prediction over your life can be changed today. Are you here? Now hear this. Not all of us will meet this standard. But God will give us grace today. I love his prayer. The Bible said that he turned his face to the wall. When the king is sick, he doesn't stay in the sick bay alone. There will be people around him who will be attending to him. Doctors, uh, the servants, they will all be there. Then the prophecy came to him. What did he do? Instead of listening to everybody, he turned his face to the wall. I am not looking at what you people are going to are doing. 
I am not looking at all the tears in your eye and your sadness and all those things. I am turning myself away. I want to have a quiet time with the Lord. So that you know something. One of the reasons why we are unable to turn our lives around is that, is that we are surrounded by people who have no faith. Who have no faith. This man turned his face to the wall. He wanted a privacy with God. It is between me and God. I'm even taking the prophet out of the, of the equation. It is just between me and God. This morning when we go before God in prayer, let it be between you and God. Others also believed that the reason why he turned his face to the wall was because during those days, just like today when people go for hunting and you kill a lion, you try to, to get the head of the lion and hang it on your wall. You kill some animals, you have their horns. It tells them there are forms of trophies for hunters. What believe that during those days, when people go to give sacrifices to God, the sacrifices are very impressive. They come with the horns of the animals and come and hang them on their walls. So some people believe that he turned to the world because all his sacrifices were on the wall. He was telling God, look at my sacrifices. Whatever it takes today, turn to the wall when we pray. Don't look at the person falling down. Don't look at the person. Don't look, at, don't look on your phone. Just come before the Lord. You want to change something. But look at the content of his prayer. Remember God. Remember, he, was, he, he had a history with God. And he was going to use his history as a bargaining chip. What can God remember about you that will let him intervene on your behalf? Do you have a certain history with God that when it comes to the crunch, when it comes to where every hope is lost, when it comes to where everything points to the fact that you are about to die or some evil is about to happen to you, you are about to lose your husband, you are about to lose your wife, you are about to lose your job, and it is obvious, and it is written on the wall. Do you have a certain history that you can go to God and say, Lord, remember. Remember, Lord. Remember my tithe. Remember my offerings. Remember my service. See, sometimes eh, when we do things for God, we have our own way of expecting rewards. Sometimes we think that our tithe must bring us financial benefits. But it is only when we come to a place like this that we see that we can rely on the promises of God and that everything you have put in the kingdom of God your reward is there, but God will release it at the right time. Sometimes I leave money in my pocket. And I'm not sure I've left them in my pocket. And when I get up one day, I don't have money. I've got the boys in my house. Everybody go look, look through all my pockets. One day, they found an envelope with a lot of money. I don't know why I kept that envelope in my pocket. Big one with a lot of money. And that day, I didn't have money. And it meant so much to me. It could take me and the family for a whole week. A lot. And the joy with which I received that money was different. Sometimes, eh, God puts everything you are looking, you are doing somewhere and is waiting. When Isaiah, when Hezekiah did all these things and fell ill, he could have questioned God. 
But God knew that you have a history with me. Use it. Use it. Use that history you have with me. Come before me and refer to that history. Refer to it. Just refer to it. And God will answer. So that's why from today you must start building some history with God. If you don't have something that you can refer God to. Father, remember my evangelism. Remember the number of souls I brought before you. Remember this, remember that, remember this, remember that. And God can look at it and change your life. What can God remember about you? Is there a story? Is there something God can depend on to change your life? Is there a certain commitment God can depend on to change your life? Look, and then he goes on three. I have walked faithfully before you. I have walked faithfully before you. I have kept my promises. I have kept your commandments. God, I have walked faithfully before you. When you see somebody praying and saying, Father, I beg you, have mercy, have mercy, have mercy. The person has no history. The person has no history. Lord, have mercy upon me. Have mercy upon me. I used to be in a church. And anytime the church leadership goes to pray, there was one elder in the church. His prayer was simple. Jesus, at one point, I became uncomfortable. Why is this man always praying until he was arrested by his company? He was stealing money. And he used to be a major financier of the church. But he was stealing the money. That was the reason why he comes to prayer meeting. And when we are even praying against witches and wizards, all his prayers are going, When we start this prayer, some people here will start by asking God to forgive their sins. Because they know. Some of you know how you, are, you, are, you would have prayed this prayer. Father, I beg you, oh, if it's the fornication that brought this sickness, take it out. Forgive me my sins. Forgive me my sins. But Ezekiel said, Lord, I have walked. Verse remember. He was not afraid about what God will remember. Because he knows that if God goes back to his history, he will, remember, he will see something. He will see something that will move him. What will God see if he goes to January? If he goes back to February? If it goes back to March, if you go back to April, if you go back to May, if you go back to June, if you go back to July, if you go back to August, if you go back to September, if you go back to October, if God decides to look at this November, will he see something that will convince him that you are a faithful Christian? I have walked faithfully before you. He put his cards on the table. I have walked faithfully before you. He was negotiating with God. Father, I can't die. I can't die. Look at, look at my CV with you. I can't die. And he said, I have walked faithfully before you with their wholehearted devotion. I am 100% committed to you. When a man puts this on the table, you cannot say no. 
Are you here? It just, it's just like marriage. If you're a man who beats your wife, who insults your wife, don't let your wife spoil special. When you see your wife laughing with another man, you become intimidated. Because you know that what you are doing will push your wife into another man's hands. And historically, women do those things. Women fall for other women because they don't feel loved. And the husband do not have this thing. So faithfulness is driven by certain level of commitment. God's faithfulness to Hezekiah was driven by a certain level of commitment to God. A wholehearted devotion. And he was sure. If you're a good man, you take good care of your wife, you respect your wife, you value your wife. If your wife even sleeps with another man in the same room, you will still know that this woman cannot cheat on me. Because I'm such a good man that he will not hurt a good man. But if you know you're a bad man. Let me, let me say, okay, so, so let me deviate a little. Let, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. You see, as a man, you are a mirror. When your wife looks at you, it reflects her. If we're a stubborn man, you get a stubborn woman. I'm telling you, today I'm on the man, man don't worry. Because yesterday the women did very well. So, I'm on their side this morning. I'm on their side this morning. But as I was studying, I was looking at this conversation between God and Hezekiah. I was very impressed. I was saying that so we can go to God and outline the, our commitment and show God our commitment and tell him, Father, take us out of difficult situations. Everything you do for God, God does not forget them. You may not see the result now, but don't stop doing it. Keep doing it because at the appropriate time, you will get from him. I shared a testimony here of how I spent some long hours of prayer in a certain estate in Medina. And when I left Bible school, and one day, I was going to buy some property. Now, I bought the property already. I was just going there to show some people how to, what I wanted to do there. As I was going, I got to that, is it Redco, Redco Flats or something, Medina, when it was newly built. I got there and the Lord said, do you remember you came here some years back to pray here for several days? I said, yes, Lord. He said, the property you are going to get is as a result of those prayers. I brought you to this community to pray because I wanted to open the heavens in this community for you. Everything you do, all of us have accounts in heaven. Whatever you do is kept in your accounts. Finally, he says this. Finally, I have done what is good in your eyes. Only few people can go to God and align all these things. So, I have done what is good in your eyes. So I cannot die now. I cannot die now. And guess what? God listens to him and God says to the prophet, go back and tell him 
I have added 15 more years to his age. And God shows the prophet the kind of medicine they should use to bath for him. Today, that thing happening in your family is not the end of the world. You can change it by prayer. That curse hanging over your family, you can change it by prayer. That negative thing happening in your life, you can change it by prayer. We can go before the Lord right now and refer to a history. Tell God something about you. Why that thing must change. Are you here? Go to him. Go to him and tell today. Talk to him like Hezekiah did. There is no situation prayer cannot change. There is no problem prayer cannot solve. Just have faith and go before that faithful God. And tell him, Lord, I am demanding a change before the end of this year. And that can happen for you. How many of you know that? That if you go before him today in prayer, your story can change. We are dealing with every evil prediction over your life. Every evil prediction and prophecy over your life. We are dealing with it. Do you know sometimes somebody may look that he's prophesying and predict your death, it may not come from God. A demon will take over. One day, somebody sent a message to Papa that the Lord said, if you don't pray, you will die. And he was giving this. He said, no, this is not from God. It cannot be from God. There are some words that have been spoken over your life. Today you can change it. There are things that are happening in your family. Today you can change it. The women don't marry. The men don't prosper. Those who prosper die early. There's an evil word. An evil word over your life. Sometimes you feel that you want to die. You feel you will die young. Today you must change that thing. That feeling must not come again. That feeling must not come again. Sometimes you feel you will never get married. Sometimes you have that fear that if you don't take care, you might never get married. That fear must go today. Are you here? Anything that puts fear on you, this shadow that follows you, this attack in your dream consistently, the men that come, the spirits that come to sleep with you, they are all manifestations of evil words hanging over your head. Today you must go before God and change it. You can change it. You can change it. Are you here? There are evil projections that if we don't pray, will manifest in your life. The fact that it was said by a trusted prophet does not mean that it must come to pass. If you don't like it, change it. Why you tolerate, you cannot change. Today, whoever prophesied poverty over your family, the person must eat back his word. Isaiah was forced to eat back that prophecy. He had to go back. You see how embarrassing that can be? That I come to prophesy to you and God said, now go back and change it. Somebody must eat his word back. Whoever starts sat in a shrine and release a curse over your family, we are taking it back and sending it back to them. Evil projections. 
evil pronouncements, evil predictions hanging over your head and it's about to manifest. Today, as you lift up your voice in prayer, as you stand on your feet, clap your hands and stamp of your feet and begin to pray. We are reversing it, reversing it, reversing it.